Well, hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, today, I've got a pretty cool guest that, uh, again, it's, it turned into an interview that um, kind of took some like pretty cool turns. You know, this is a person I've been following, um, a woman by the name of Nancy Leah Woods. And uh, she's got an Instagram channel or a YouTube channel, Instagram, that kind of stuff. She puts out some very positive, very cool stuff. And, um, you know, I started following her because she's relatively uh, newish into um, archery, traditional archery, hunting, that kind of stuff. She does kind of a homesteading kind of uh, thing. She grows a lot of stuff, gardening. And um, I just kind of wanted to get to know her a little bit better. So we finally got a chance to uh, hook up on Skype here. And uh, we got to talking. And this, this, podcast turned into it was also it was, it was one of those ones that wasn't so much about hunting and uh, you know bows and arrows and that kind of stuff um, she, she actually went into a pretty very cool story very open very honest um, story about her her past and her journey and what brought her to the outdoors and uh, just kind of like a living um, more natural more simple life hunting gardening um, kind of kind of being out in nature, that kind of thing. Um, very, very uh, surprising to hear that. I had no idea about this. This is why I love doing these podcasts because I get to talk to these people and uh, find out some really very cool stuff about uh, about about them and um, you know their journey and that kind of thing. This is kind of like when I had uh, Chris Seckel uh, or Seckel on the um, on the podcast a few episodes ago. Very detailed. Um, journey very detailed past about what uh you know what what brought her here and uh just very cool to find out you know all the stuff that you know she kind of went through and um i'm i'm really really glad for the conversation i got to know a lot about her um these things are you know it might be important for other people to i know it's important for other people to hear um i'm just going to let you listen to the episode I'm not going to give you any more kind of like spoilers or anything like that, but uh, the the things that Nancy Leah talks about, I'm sure other people are going through or have gone through, and uh, that's why she has a you know pretty big following of people that uh, find her inspirational and positive, and um, you know just uh, someone to kind of uh, look up to. So anyway, um, not going to go too much more into it. This is a very, very cool episode. Super glad I got a chance to talk to her. Uh, I feel better for it. And um, I think you should check her stuff out too. So if you like this episode, please uh, like, share and subscribe. Super, super important. Um, And that's really it. Without uh, without any further ado, uh, here is my interview with Nancy Leah Woods. My dinosaur starts. There we go. They're recording. Cool. Awesome. So, Nancy Leah Woods. Am I, first of all, am I saying your name correctly? Is it Nancy Leah? Is that, is that the way you say yeah. it? You actually, you actually said it right. I did. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure. Um, so, th- thanks for coming on. We're kind of doing this uh, mid-afternoon. This worked out for me and you, so I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me. It's, it's usually kind of a struggle trying to coordinate times with, uh, with guests, you know? Yeah, thanks for having me here. No it's problem. It's a great time of day. I'm just sat outside in the shade. You know, nothing oh. needs my attention. All the animals are behaving for now. Uh, <laughs> we're good. 
pouring rain outside. Well, not pouring, but it's kind of a yucky day outside. So it's one of those uh, house cleaning days, you know, the days that you really, really don't want to. You want to be inside, but then, you know, you got like actual like adulting to do inside. So <laughs> this, this is kind of a good escape from uh, <laughs> from, from all that. So, um, so yeah, so I've been I've been kind of watching your channel, watching your Instagram. And, you know, I'm like. Uh, you know, you're, you're into archery, you're into hunting, you're into, I'm going to, I'm going to call it homesteading. You can correct me. It's not, I don't even know that it's homesteading. It's just what normal people used to do, you know, not too long ago with gardening and that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I said, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know that much more about you. You and I talked very briefly before we started, started recording, recording here. So, um, I guess you know, I just kind of want to get to know you a little bit better and, and kind of you said you had a little bit of a journey that kind of brought you to, you know, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're referring to the outdoors and hunting and that kind of stuff. So I just really curious to, to find out more about you. So um, do you want to give like the, I don't know, quick like Reader's Digest version of kind of like, you know, who you are and, and kind of what you do and, and where you live kind of thing? We can go from there. Sure. So as you know, my name is Nancy Leah. I go by Nan. It's a lot easier to pronounce and remember. I live on a beautiful homestead in the middle of Pennsylvania, and I am a gardener. I garden at a large farm-sized garden, and then, of course, I have my own garden here at home. I am very into traditional archery, like you said, and hunting. And so all of this, I've been doing this when I say this. For the past three years, I was just at a crossroads in my life that I needed to do something completely different with my life. And so I decided to just move out into the woods and have a homestead. And on top of all that, I was suddenly feeling lonely isn't the word. It was more so that I was amazed by nature and I wanted to share it with someone other than, of course, my husband and child. And I so I started taking pictures and I started making video clips on a track phone and little by little that kind of escalated. And so I got on Instagram and Facebook, which, which is how you and I connected mm-hmm. and just started sharing um, things I was seeing. And that kind of snowballed and escalated into now I just make videos and run stories on the daily. Yeah. And I want to get into I want to get into those, too, because you have a very unique kind of style. Um, everything from the flipping over the day, the calendar day to the starting of the coffee or whatever that kind of stuff. But what, what, uh, yeah, what, so, so what, what, what you said, what there was, um, you, you said you wanted to make a change. Like what was it, were you doing something like drastically different than this or just, you know, living in a city or something like that? Or what, what's the change you're talking about? Yeah. So, you know, nowadays I live out in the country. I lived in a small town before this. I lived there for 25 years from the time I was five till the time I was 30. And I grew up with my mom and dad, brother and sister in a pizza shop. Hmm. We are we are all from Sicily. Um, My sister and I were actually born in the USA, but my brother and parents were straight up straight off the boat, as you would say, (laughs) straight off the airplane. Mm hmm. Um, So I grew up in a pizza shop atmosphere. I started waiting tables when I was nine, loved it, loved interacting with customers, loved carrying around trays. And at one point, actually, when I was really young, like six, I loved wearing dresses and roller skating through the diner to bring pizzas when we would have festivals outside. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up on the outskirts of the country, per se. I had friends that would do things like farming and bonfires and hunting. So I was kind of exposed to it a little bit. I would hear chatter about it, but it wasn't until 
um, about nine years ago, I went on a blind date with my now husband. And it was at the end of August, and we met at a Mexican food place. I ordered the family meal. I was nervous, so I had, you know, had to do something with myself. So I ate a pile of food. So he was telling me, you know, about his life and what he's doing, and he was telling me that he was preparing for archery season, hunting season, with a recurve bow that I, of course, was not at all familiar with. Like I said, I'd been a little bit exposed to hunting, like friends who would hunt, but I have never personally jumped into that. It was not something I did growing up, nothing my parents did either. Uh, And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he explained to me that it was a wooden bow with arrows and he would go up into a tree and sit there and wait for deer. And I was like, wow, that sounds crazy. Can I go? And he was like, well, you know, maybe we should start small. And so we, I started out with a crossbow. A month later, I was out hunting, you know, a couple of days a week. He'd help me navigate through the woods and be like, okay, here's your climber. This is the tree. And um, he taught me how to use a climber. And I absolutely would love just sitting up there. And, of course, he'd go hunt somewhere else 100 yards away or 200 yards away. And, um, like I said, brand new beginner. I'd never done this before. And I just fell in love with it with the whole process i even i even loved dressing up in camo it was different for me it wasn't something i ever did you know my wardrobe used to be like leggings and a solid shirt for the pizza shop or we had a nightclub also so i was always in high heels and dresses and you know i don't know if you could picture it but i used to be kind of a fancier girl as far as like hair extensions nails the whole <laughs> okay. night yeah. If that makes any sense. I, I'm 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 getting the image of uh, kind of like like Jersey Girl, kind of you know, a but little bit, a little bit, l- yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and so like I said, I grew up in the pizza shop, but also let me back up a little bit. I spent my summers and some years, a large chunk of my winters, back in Sicily. Um, my mom and dad, over time, had built themselves a retirement home there, which they don't live at yet, of course, but. So we would go there for the entire month of July and August every summer, actually, until three years ago, till I moved here. No kidding. So I grew up, of course, in the USA, but I also grew up with a lot of Sicilian culture. And the main culture in Sicily is vegetation, farming, you know, things like that. Things that I'm getting into now for the first time sort of in my life. So I have a little bit of background in gardening and things. So anyway, where were we? <laughs> no, no, that's that's your, we're on your story. That's 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 fine. So were you, were your parents into um? Why? I mean, I'm I'm sure they were like super busy running all that stuff. But um, you know, were they also into kind of like like gardening and fresh food and that kind of stuff? Uh, I mean, um, usually people who are passionate about like food, you know, or starting a restaurant kind of thing, they have this, you know, whether they you know, on purpose or not, they have this kind of affinity for, you know knowing where your food comes from, you know, did, did they have that too? And did, did maybe that, is that kind of where you got that from you think, or? Well, yes, yes. And no. So as far as my family members in Sicily and when we would go there in the summer, we would just live amongst, you know, like my cousins and aunts and uncles, most of them had farms, more so vegetable crops than animals. And the main, the main diet I grew up with was, I want to say, like 90% vegetables. Everything from zucchini to lentils is just a part of my daily life. Broccoli. Um, and and this is... No, go ahead. Sorry. Yep. 
So I grew up also in the pizza shop around food all the time and always fussing with the presentation of the food and the display and the pizzas and things, just wanting things to be beautiful and just knowing how to cook. I don't know if this is a, I, I think it's a cultural thing. The way I was raised to cook was just to throw things together and make it work. I don't measure, um, you know, picture an older Italian woman, if you will, cooking sauce on the stove and just throwing random spices in and it tastes delicious. Yep. So that's kind of how my love for food and plants started with, or my interest here, um, living out in the country the past three years. So like I said, I lived a very different life before I moved here, but there, what propelled me towards wanting a change was I had always suffered from an anxiety and insomnia disorder. Mm. Um, and so when I was 13 years old, my family physician and I, like we worked, we, I would try antidepressants and therapy. Eventually, long story short, I got put on Xanax, which is a very strong, um, anxiety medication, like for insomnia and things. And I took that all through my teenage years, all through, mostly through my twenties until I was like maybe 25 or so, um, and never really had an issue with it. And then I stopped taking it. I was pregnant with my son. I had my son, but then I was starting to struggle more with my mental health. I'm like a postpartum on top of the insomnia and everything. Mm. So I went right back to it and did fine for a few years. And so then I decided I'm just going to get off this medication because I started to wake up a lot, not feeling right without it. I would wake up and my heart would be racing or I couldn't sleep without it. And I was like, you know, I really need to get off this. It's not healthy. And I had been on it at this point for like 18 years. Yeah. And so when I got off of that medication. I started to have seizures oh. from, from the withdrawals. And um, so I would go and see my doctor and thanks for help. And there was really, you know, nothing he could do other than, you know, get through it, basically. Um, so that all was happening. And then on top of that happening, my dad pulled me aside one day. Um, so I had just turned 30 and he had basically raised me to take over the family business when I turned 30. Mm -hmm. The pizza shop, we had a six pack store, we had a bunch of apartments and we had a, a nightclub, like I said, all very successful. And I um, had done a lot of it by his side for a really long time. So I was ready to take over. So he pulls me aside one day and he says, the family business is going to go bankrupt. Um, like we can't come back from this, but look at this as an opportunity for you to go do something different in life, oh. like anything you want to do. And I was just completely like, I have goosebumps just saying that right now. Cause it affected me. Like I felt like my entire, entire world fell apart and I was like, well, what do you mean? You know? So I spent the next year or so trying to bring it back. Small businesses are really tough. Where we had our pizza shop, it was super successful for 25 years. We had a university a couple of blocks away. But what was starting to happen was we had big chains coming in, um, big pizza chains, Starbucks, all these big name places. And you can't really compete with that. And, of course, we weren't the first small business to go. Almost the entire Main Street is actually almost gone small business-wise. Yeah. So I was faced with, I need to move literally anywhere in the USA, anywhere 
but I can't stay there. And I was thinking I'm going to lose all my friends. I don't know a different way of life. I loved the song and dance of a busy dining room and restaurant and all of our employees and the bar and the nightclub. I really loved, I loved it all. We sponsored all the little little league teams and baseball. So we were really involved with the community. And so, like I said, I was also suffering from this medication at the same time. So I was having a mental health crisis on top of another mental and physical um, medical crisis. And so these two, two large issues just collided and I just went completely downhill mentally. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of piling on all of a sudden, you know, it was a lot. And there was some things going on between my mother and my father. Also, they were splitting up and there was, um, a drunk driver lawsuit. There was a customer who had left our bar one night with three friends and he was on a head on collision. He was deceased and three other people. So the widowed lady was suing my parents for something ridiculous, like $15 million. Oh my goodness. Um, So it was just this big, big crisis for our entire family. Um, So my husband, he is a corrections officer and he's been working his job for, I want to say, 16 years at that time. So I told him, like, I'm willing to up and leave with you and our son to go anywhere you want to go in the USA or even if you want to move to another country, like I'm open. I just, you know, like I have to go do something. You need the clean slate. I needed a clean slate. Yeah. But like I said, I was hanging on to the pizza shop and I was trying to bring in customers and trying to resuscitate it. Difficult. It's very difficult to compete with large chain, sure. even especially their prices. And we still had a lot of loyal customers. But over time, what started to happen was we couldn't get the right foods to make the foods that we normally carried. We didn't have enough customers coming in to buy the supply we needed. And so things just really crashed and burned in all aspects, almost all aspects of my life. Luckily, I'm super enormously blessed that my husband and I stayed together. Like He was my rock during all of this, very supportive, very understanding. And he was very close to my immediate family. We had been together for six years, married six years. He would actually come over in the summers to visit with me and my families in Sicily for anywhere from 10 days to 21 days. He was very absorbed in the culture and the way of life. Um, So this all affected him very much. Also, you know, we had actually been house shopping to buy a house at that time in my life. And we were going to buy something right in that small town that I grew up in, of course, so I could be safe to work. So all this is happening. And my mental health was really declining and I was just inconsolable. I got to a point where I couldn't, I could no longer live with the seizures and just, I would just fall out at any time of the day. I had to surrender my license. so I couldn't drive anymore. So I started drinking. I was never, I was never really a drinker until all of this. And at that point in my life, I just wanted to disappear, completely disappear, yeah. you know, anything. And so what happened at, what happened then was not only was I having seizures from the Xanax, now I was having seizures from the excessive amounts of alcohol I was intaking. And then I would have seizures and just everything. It was a crash and burn type of I, And I don't know much about 
you know, those, those kind of, uh, medicines and drugs and stuff. But I mean, I, I, even I know, like, that's like a note, like you don't mix the two, right? I mean, that's like a horrible cocktail. Oh, you definitely don't. I mean, I mean that's don't. just like bad, bad, right? It's very bad. Yes. Um, there's, yeah. so as far as like drugs, when you withdraw from them, most of them will not kill you, you know, pills or I'm sorry, things like heroin or set. Those withdrawals will not kill you. You're going to be severely sick. Don't get me wrong. But there's a handful of drugs, benzodiazepines, especially, which is what I was taking, that you will have seizures if you don't, you know, if you're lucky enough not to die. Yeah. And I had, I kept, I would be mid-sentence with somebody. And the next thing I knew, I was waking up in the hospital and they were stabbing me with needles and... You know, and they would shoot me up with volume, which would make the seizures stop for about six to 12 hours. So I'd leave. And a lot of times by the time we got home, <clears throat> I would seize again. And I just became helpless, like or helpless and hopeless. I didn't know if I was ever going to come out of this. And at that point, I didn't want to. I didn't want to live another day feeling so miserable, having seizures, bruising my face up. Um, you know, all these things. I just wanted to be well again. And the thing with hospitals is one would think if you're going through such an event, you would go to the hospital. There's not really much the hospital will do for you, but it took them three months to do this magical thing. What they did was they put me on an anti-seizure medication. A lot of times hospitals don't want to deal with anyone addicted to any kind of substance Mm -hmm. because it's a liability on their on the hospital and also not to mention the physician themselves um yeah so for me the doctors weren't helping me my husband was driving me all over the state trying to get me help and things and nothing was really working and so one night i had completely gone off the deep end and i was yelling and screaming at my mother and i smashed some dishes and everything is kind of a blur but i ended up getting arrested that night And then, so I'm sitting, they arrest me and I have a bloody lip and I didn't know why I had a bloody lip at the time. Yeah, at the time. So I'm sitting in the magistrates at one o'clock in the morning and my very, very good friend, Dwayne, that I have known my entire life, who just so happens to be the magistrate in our town, (laughs) walks in very, very, very pissed off. And I'll never forget it. He sat down and, you know, started everything and just looked at me and said, why the hell are you in my courtroom? And I was like, I don't know. And so I wasn't very, I didn't want to cooperate with him. I told him to just throw me in jail because at this point, like, what else was I going to do? Like, just go lock me up somewhere. Doctors can't help me. I can't help myself. I had actually called the police three times earlier that day because I wanted them to take me and just arrest me go throw me in the hospital like do something help me um so he threw me in jail that night and i was released six hours later i wasn't there very long but um my very close friend had she had recently moved to another town about three hours away so a friend picked me up and drove me to erie which is like three hours away from where i used to live and she locked Mm -hmm. me up in her house for like three days and um, help me get through my seizures and things like that. And she set me up with a behavioral health rehabilitation center. <clears throat> and I went there for 21 days or so. And it was the most 
I almost want to say it was the most awesome time of my life. I don't want to say it was the most awesome time, but I learned so much in those three weeks with the people that were there. The entire staff, even the medical professionals were made out of people in recovery that had a story to share with you about how they ended up in this field. And it was very, and I found so much hope knowing through something like this. These are good, honest, decent people. They're not the scum of the earth. Like a lot of people think about anyone who's had an issue with alcohol and drugs. Like there's a big stereotype. Did you finally feel like, okay, I'm in a place where um, people kind of understand what I'm going through for the, for the first time in a long time? I mean, I did. I did. And yeah. I was so happy to be there. I was even happy when I was in jail. And I know that sounds so twisted, but I knew I was safe from me making my own decisions at that time. Yeah. Because what was driving my mind at that time was the seizures and just feeling physically ill. And I didn't, I couldn't make it stop. I couldn't find help to make it stop. And so I wasn't doing it for me. So I needed, I guess, to go somewhere, a safe space. And this rehabilitation center was nestled in the middle of the woods, in the middle of two big mountains. There was no reception there or anything. I lived in a dorm with other amazing women. And during the day, it was set up almost like a college campus in the middle of the woods. Uh, We would get up every day at like 5 a.m., sit at this table and say positive things about each other for ourselves and share, how do you feel today on a scale of one to 10? You know, and then we had to say something positive. And then so while I was there, I got really into self-therapy, being in nature, going out and um, observing whether it's plants or animals they had. There was deer there. I seen bobcats there. Wild, of course, but they were used to people being around. Mm-hmm. And I would notice when I was doing things like this, I wasn't staring at the clock. I wasn't staring at the clock, wishing time would pass so that I didn't feel sick anymore. And a lot, I little by little found myself not feeling sick at all, or at least, you know, for a few minutes and then a few hours. And then once I got past a week of and of course, I was I was struggling through this, of course, and I was on other medications while I was there that would help me sleep for three three hour clips at night, which wasn't much, but it was something on top, you know, something better than what I had. I wasn't having night terrors. And so I would go to there was like eight or nine classes, if you will, throughout the day. And we would, you know, meet up with the men community. And like I said, it was set up like a college campus. And there were classes like psychology and everything was very recovery based, of course. Yeah. And like I said, just meeting other people that were feeling the same as me, having medical professionals there and everyone there that had been where I was at, it gave me hope. And we were doing therapies on and off throughout the day. Like I said, we'd go out in the nature or we'd paint or we'd craft. So I was there for three weeks or so. And I came home and my husband, my son, I'd never been so happy to see them in my life. I had gained like 30 pounds. I was dressing like I felt like a different human being, Yeah, a very different human being. And of course, I still wasn't completely out of the woods as far as not feeling well. 
but compared to what I had just experienced for the past three months or so beforehand, I was enormously grateful to be able to get up in the mornings and get dressed and get showered and feel okay again and go and have conversations. And so I went home and this was in, this was the end of March in 2018. So January to March, this that's when everything kind of went down. And then March to July, I was kind of waiting for the pizza shop sale to be final to close. My husband and I still hadn't found a place to move to. And then one day out of the blue, our friend Kevin calls us and says, Hey, heard you were looking for a house. Like, do you want to, do you want to buy my place? And I'd never been here before, but it's beautiful. I knew it was a homestead and I knew it was out in the middle of the woods. And my husband read me the text out loud and I was, we both were just like, yes, we want to buy your place. And like I said, I wasn't, I didn't live this lifestyle though. So for me, this was a huge um, step in a scary direction, but I was learning to say yes and take chances so that I could eventually end up somewhere different than what I was. Cause I didn't really have a choice. Yeah. Couldn't, I mean, I could have stayed in my own hometown, but what would I have done for work? I mean, I'm sure. So how, how far away is this from, from the town you grew up in this new place? Um, about an hour and 20 minutes. It's not okay. super far away, but far Close enough, enough to visit that... family still and kind of be, kind of be rooted still in, in, in your, in your at least friends and family past, you know what I mean? For support and that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I actually don't have any family left um, in that town anymore. Oh, okay. My dad is in Sicily. He lives there, I guess. And my mother is about an hour and a half from here working at a cousin's pizza shop. Um, so none of us live in my old hometown or anything. Mm. I've all but broken all ties. Um, I wouldn't say broken all ties. I have a couple of friends that I am still very much in touch with. But like I said, I grew up in the business atmosphere, pizza shop. I didn't do after school activities. Um, of course, I went through a small phase in my teenage years where I would go to bonfires and parties and things. But overall, I would get out of school every day and I would go to work. And we didn't close till midnight. And once we got the bar, we didn't close till 2 a.m. Okay. So my yeah. focus wasn't really, you know, meeting people and having friends and things. Like I said, I had a couple of friends, but. Yeah. So when, yeah, when the decision or opportunity to leave town arose, there was nothing really holding me back there, save for a couple of friends, but that, you know, that's not a reason to not yeah. go somewhere. So anyhow, so we told him, yes, absolutely. We want to, we want your house. Like we'll come look at it. And so we came here and we had a nice fire and we all shot bows together um, and decided that we absolutely do. We want to buy this property in this house. And just a couple of weeks later, we went to Etar, the Eastern Traditional Archery. Same group, my husband and I, a couple of his friends and the gentleman who used to own this house too. He's a trad archer. Um, and I was very new in the archery. I had picked up a bow six months prior when I was going through my mental health crisis. Um, so I didn't learn much in that time. But whenever I did go to ETAR that first summer, brand new in the archery, and I felt really um, accepted by all of these folks around me. But I felt, like I said, I felt really weird because physically I still wasn't completely, I wasn't seizing anymore, but I still wasn't feeling awesome. And I was kind of like in a new corner in life. Everything was exciting and kind of scary at the same time. 
but I felt really comfortable around everyone I was meeting and things. So that's kind of what like sparked my interest in traditional archery that kind of held me there. And a couple of months later is when I moved here, which is when my online life began. I started, I wanted to share with someone everything I was seeing. And then in addition to that, this recurve bow that I was learning to use. And so I had just moved here and archery season was only a month away and I was no longer working outside of the home. So suddenly I had all this free time and we have 80 acres here. So when my son went to school that winter or that fall, I would drop him off and just go wandering through the woods and go set myself up somewhere with my recurve and I would hunt Hmm. for deer. And without any help, I mean, my husband, of course, before the season was like, okay, I think this is a good area. This is a good area. But, um, yeah, he works away from home. He drives an hour and a half each way to work every day. But I wanted to fill my time with something. And it just so happened to be fall. And that's what I ended up doing that entire fall that I had first moved here. The first three or four months that I lived here, I was making stories on Instagram about how my hunting was going. And I didn't have a ton of followers, of course, at that time. Most of them were definitely not interested in traditional archery, which was fine because I didn't know what I was doing. So I felt I felt like I could share more, more openly and like shamelessly yeah. <laughs> about all my mess ups. Yeah, and right. So you're I new, you're learning, and here's yeah, here's my adventure or my, my right. yeah, here's my path. What I'm yep. doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew a lot that first fall. And what started to happen was someone would watch my story and be, you know, apparently they were a hunter and they would give me just a little bit of advice or just even just some encouragement, like, Hey, you're doing awesome. Like, good for you. And even though I honestly was not doing awesome, but you know, I really appreciated those and it really helped me spurred me on, I guess. And then by the following fall, I was building my things really snowballed and escalated it. Like I, like I said, I, I was on the internet and I found a lot of encouragement, people that were in the archery, people that were not in the archery or just had hunting, you know, background. And so soon I found myself in this brand new hobby of sharing what I was doing with arrows and my bow and shooting. And I got goats and chickens that first winter. I had never had livestock in my life. Um, so I took that, I added that to my new life, goats and chickens. And now, you know, three years later, I have pigs and gardens. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I, like I said, I watch your, your stories and your pictures and stuff. And, you know, you're, it's like, you're constantly, I'm sure it's, it's like a full-time job. You're constantly doing something, you know, on, on the farm or, or with the animals or that kind of thing. So, um, did, was, was that part, um, Maybe kind of going back a little bit, like when you left this, uh, this, you know, this mental health or I'm call it rehab facility, right? Is that, yeah. would that be a right term for it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Did they give you the tools to kind of carry on, carry on and say, okay, well, this seems to be working for you, Nancy Leo. So why don't you try and do this once you're, once you're out of this support group? You know what I mean? So do oh, they yeah. kind of pick up on things like, hey, you seem to have uh, picked up this affinity for nature and wild things in the outdoors. So maybe try and pursue that. Do they give you the tools to go pursue that? Absolutely. And in fact, until you have a plan, they don't release you. I mean, you okay. could always walk off the property if you want. It's not like I was a prisoner there. Right. Um, 
So I had this amazing counselor. His name was Max. Big dude, built like a lineman. <clears throat> he was my main like support there. Of course, I had a handful of other people that I would have to go meet with and discuss things with, you know, plan. But he was the one who helped me um, strategize what I was going to do when I went home. Because eventually I had to go home. I couldn't stay there forever, even though I was driving there. <laughs> like I said, I loved it there. Um, and I remember meeting him and filling out the paperwork on one of my first days there. I told him I was a huntress and he scoffed at, like he laughed at me and, um, rightfully so. Like I had just not rightfully so, but kind of, and then he read over my chart and stuff and like went over like what happened, went to jail that night. I was seizing from benzos and he's like, you're kind of a scumbag right now in life. It hurt my feelings. But I mean, he, he was right. So like yeah. we talked it through and then, so he told me his story about how, and he like grew up in the inner city and like to not a nice family, not doing good things. So I'm looking at this big linebacker looking dude who's like dressed absolutely immaculately and like clearly is a happy man. So that like gave me a little bit of hope. And so, yeah, we started with, I'm a huntress. And he's like, you're a hunt. You don't look like a huntress. Like you're sitting here in front of me, a mess, um, a complete hot mess, disaster. Like you're nothing right now. Like we need to rebuild your life. And so he knew I was interested in hunting and, you know, things of that nature. But yeah, so we would have like a free time during the day or we had therapeutic sessions and what my main thing that I wanted to do was just to go wander around the woods I just wanted to go look at things um and they had a little bit they had a river there also and this was in March it was snowing it was freezing out and um they were like okay like if this is what you want to do you just you know you can you're allowed to do this I was I guess I was a pretty well-behaved person there so I got like a little bit of privileges here and there so they would just let me go wander around. And like I said earlier, I would just lose track of time. I would stop focusing on how miserable I had felt. And it gave me a lot of time to think and reflect on myself. And so, like I said, I ended up here just four months later. Suddenly I had all this land and free time when my son wasn't home or husband wasn't home. And I did just that. I would just go wander the woods and go hunting and sit and think and that's really what made me want to become independent in my hunting adventures if you will like from my husband like I had said I had never hunted before I met him but I went on a journey with him with first it was a crossbow and then it was a compound bow and then I had just picked up a recurve a few months prior to moving here and just decided that's what I was going to do now just hunt with a recurve um completely lost my train of thought no that, that's yeah that just kind of okay so then you um you you said you headed into that first season um just kind of you know lear, learning as you go right um that, that first fall did you uh did you have any success that that first season or um how, how did that did go not. for you um i did not have any success as far as taking a deer or any other animal for that matter but i did i started to like really believe in myself during it so our season runs from october and then the second season goes all the way to clear to mid-january 
And so I was, what started to happen was I was starting to build a relationship with myself and I was encouraging myself, even though I had people, you know, supporting me on the internet and my husband and my mentor, Kevin, of course. And, but so I would go out and I would sit and then the weather would change. And when it started on the really ice cold days, I found that I could sit still in the tree stand for six hours and even sometimes on full day sits, which is I could not have done that before um, on my own. I think I might have, I would have got restless or, yeah. but just being outside in the cold, getting up without, like I said, without my husband's guidance, as far as hunting, it was really empowering to myself that I was doing this by myself, even though ultimately I was not successful, but I was seeing deer. I could never get up and get turned around or I wasn't smooth enough, I guess, with my movements, with mm. my recap, especially, like I said, I was still really new. Anytime I'd see a deer and attempt a shot, by the time I even started the draw, they'd be out of there, busted. Yeah. <laughs> but I was getting better as the season went. And like I said, I had all this quiet in the woods and I would have deep reflective thoughts on everything that had happened because I was, even though I was on this new path in life, I was still very much hurting inside from everything that had happened within the family and within the loss of the pizza shop. And I, I still very much have that pain with me today. And I don't think that it'll ever leave just because I grew up in that pizza shop with, you know, my siblings and we'd have relatives that would come from Sicily and lots and lots of memories. And just sure, the way it all went down was just completely it was very sad, especially like because my parents split up in that time also. So kind of adds another type of sadness to it. But I found that I was okay. And instead of being hyper-focused on that, I was, like I said, encouraging myself and I was feeling empowered to be able to take care of my home, take care of my husband and child, and also figure out a way to have all this free time to go hunting um, in the woods independent mm -hmm. so i felt i was starting to like be proud of myself i guess would be the word which i hadn't been proud of myself in a while because of how i behaved if you will when i was going through my mental health crisis so it's it offered me a lot of healing and in fact my my main instagram used the title used to be healing outdoors until just a year ago because that's that's what i showcase like cooking food i want it it's a therapeutic activity for me. It's visually beautiful and I want someone else to watch it and get nothing but pleasure from my cooking stories or nature stories or whatever it is I'm doing. Even my arrow building stories. I have a lot of viewers that are not in the archery whatsoever. It doesn't fit in their life, but they love watching my archery videos because of the visual and it captures their attention. And I had never videoed a day in my life before I moved here and started archery hunting. Mm -hmm. I just, like I said, I wanted to share what I was doing with someone. I didn't know anyone in this area. I was no longer driving. I had like zero social life. Um, not that I have much of a social life now, but <laughs> I do connect with others. Yeah. I just felt really, I guess, alone in the world when I first moved here, save for my husband and son and a couple of friends felt really alone but i was so amazed by nature itself and this place even though i grew up in a small town i didn't grow up 
near the woods. I didn't spend time in the woods. And I suddenly had like a flower garden and like this adorable bathtub outside with a spring house above it that collects running fresh spring water. And I'm just amazed by the way the sun reflects onto that water. And it's a silly thing. It's just a bathtub in the middle of the woods with a spring house. But it's gorgeous. Like, it makes me happy. No, I I, I, I totally get it. I mean, I, would it, think it, I wonder it, if someone else wants to see this. Maybe it'll yeah. make them happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I mean, maybe it was in you like innate all the time. You know what I mean? And you just needed to put in a, be put in a uh, place in time where that could, you know, come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just yeah, I, I, and I think that happens with a lot of people too. Um, just going back, you know, through our DNA, right? I don't want to get all woo woo about it, but you know, it's in there somewhere. You know, we all like, we all gravitate gravitate towards campfires. You know, we all gravitate towards uh, food. We all gravitate towards, uh, you know, like beautiful things. So, um, yes. you know, I, I, I think something, yeah, if, if it's accessible, it's accessible, and you're like, oh. Okay, I and you want to do more of it because it, it's like it's 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 there now. You're right in nature rather than, um, you know, somewhere else. You know, in the city or an apartment or or, or what have you. You know, so um, when, when you're doing all this, how, how who how did you learn to shoot? Then did you kind of just kind of learn on your own, or did you have? Um, well, I know you you said your your husband shoots uh, recurve. So was was he kind of like a teacher for you? How did that how did that yeah. come about? Yeah. So my husband, like I said, when we first met, introduced me to archery, but he started me out with a crossbow because I had been completely unfamiliar with guns and rifles and hunting and things. So we started with a crossbow, moved to a compound, and he was always my teacher and my encourager. And so through these handful of years that I was messing with the compound, he was still shooting traditional archery gear. And he was going to 3D events and things with his friends or just going to a friend's house to shoot his trad bow. And they always just let me go with them with my compound. And so my husband, mainly him and our awesome friend, Kevin and Aaron, they have a podcast, Trad Geeks. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. But cool dudes. So they were always. So oh, I didn't realize it was Kevin Merrill you were referring to when you said Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in yeah. his old farm. Yep. Yeah. I live at the. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, so that kind of oh. adds like a touch of magic back here. Like him and his wife really made oh. this place completely magical. It's beautiful. I had no idea because I because um yeah I mean I follow him too and I've, I don't I've, think I've, I've ever uh, shared that actually online. Yeah. Wow, yeah, exclusive right here. I had no idea because now I know yeah. it's kind of weird. I know where you live and because I've seen his uh, his uh, videos from the past and stuff like that of. Uh, <laughs> you know, where you used to live and, and the, the woods and all that stuff. So that's very cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had all these awesome traditional archery dudes right there beside me this whole time. I just wasn't in the trad archery yet. It was some, it wasn't that I was, wasn't into, it. I was using a compound and I always looked at traditional archery as something like for the advanced people's mm-hmm. like super hard. I, it was completely off, off limits. And like for me, to, like they didn't say that I said that to me I was like that's I, I feel like I need to work my way up to that and I'm glad I, I mean I'm glad I did I'm glad I started with a crossbow went to a compound went to a traditional equipment but anyhow yeah so they would let me come with with them the 3d events or just shooting off their back porch with my compound um, and I would always overhear their conversations and honestly I didn't really have any idea what they were talking about 
I knew Kevin made videos or something and podcasts or something, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, but yeah, so we, they were all my teachers. And whenever we went to ETAR the summer that I had moved here, although I knew my husband's friends, of course, over these years, I never really like sat and talked to them about, I never like asked them for hunting or advice or archery advice. I'm, I'm a little bit bashful, I guess. But those weren't like my main interests at that time. But whenever right. I did pick up the trad bow, I went to ETAR with them that year. And that's when things kind of clicked for me. And I suddenly like got obsessed. And what really, you know, what really changed it for me was I got coaching lessons from Tom Klum and Joel Turner. <laughs> and suddenly I was actually hitting the target. <laughs> okay, well, that, that'll do it. <laughs> That Yeah, and I had been struggling with the bow for several months already before that time. So this was like a whole new kind of excitement. Like suddenly, like I knew how to hit the target. They weren't excellent shots by any means. And also one change that I made that day also, I was shooting with a glove until that day. That same day I had the coaching classes. It was actually Kevin's dad. He was like, have you ever tried a tab before? Mm -hmm. I said no. So he gave me his two-finger tab to try. And I shot really well with it, so he let me keep it. And it's still actually the tab I use to this day. Same tab. It's like a prototype of theirs or something. Very old. But I really like that style of shooting. So that yeah. combined with the coaching lessons that day, I was suddenly like, wow, I want to do this. And just the time, everything that had happened from the pizza shop shutting down my mental health crisis to now, whenever, like, I think it's super cool for myself to look back on my own life, how I didn't want that change to happen. And like, I was fighting it. I fought it with everything I had. I didn't want to leave that town. I didn't want to leave the pizza shop. I did not want to have that. But then it wasn't until I went to the recovery center and then left there. And I was finally open. Like I accepted it. I accepted that, you know, sometimes small businesses tank it's not the end of the world. You need put on your big girl panties and go do something different. Like you have an entire life to live still. Um, and everything just kind of like I keep saying snowballed that led me here. But I look back all the little things, like I was always into plants when I'd go to Sicily in the summers. I was always amazed by the mountains that I would pull off to the side of the road, especially in August. It's very common for all of the mountains to be on fire in August in Sicily and they just burn all day and burn all night long it's gorgeous and I was always taking pictures so all these things little like plants gardening being in nature's all kind of prepared me I guess for where I'm at in life now and I get I connect with people in the recovery community which is where like my online kind of began they were my main support um at first before I started to like meet people in the traditional archery community on the internet because I was honestly kind of afraid to do anything on the internet with hunting or traditional archery, especially as a girl, not knowing what I was doing. It's really intimidating, but you guys are actually really cool and very encouraging and very accepting. Like you all mess up. I mess up. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, you know, I never thought of it that way because um, ste- stepping from, uh, what you were doing and what you were going through and going into, um, 
I don't know. I don't know if you had any kind of like presuppositions, you know, I guess about like what the, you know, a hunter would be. Well, I, you probably wouldn't because you said your husband was. So you probably had a better, better idea, right? Of they're just not all, you know, just slobbering rednecks that are going to criticize everybody and, you know, talk down to people and stuff. But um, it, it, you are opening up yourself to, you know, criticism, especially online with anything, right? But I mean, with hunting and shooting and this and that. So, um, yeah, I guess I never thought about that. It kind of took a little bit extra bit of courage, you know, on your part to, to, to do that because you are just like, okay, I'm trying this and uh, opening up for the world for comments, yep, <laughs> comments and opinions. Yep. The first, like I said, that first um, fall that I had lived here is when I got on the internet on Instagram. It's not on the profile I use these days. My main page, it was on my first account. It's a recovery based account. And I was making store hunting stories there, but I never showed myself in my stories because I didn't want, like I knew people knew I was a girl, but I mm-hmm. didn't want to like put that in my hunting stories. I was very like afraid of what kind of feedback I was going to get. Cause I mean, we all see from time to time, we do see these profiles on Instagram of huntresses not taking the sport seriously mm-hmm. and things. And some of you men do it too. And um, I just didn't want, I wanted to be taken seriously in my hunting and archery, especially yeah. as more time went on, the more I was like, well, I need to hide. And eventually at some, I started to get braver and braver and braver. And I wasn't quite making videos yet, but about a year into all of this, I got a message on Facebook by a gentleman asked me to be in this focus group. It's a Christian based archery group and they make weekly videos, one video a week, which is my Sunday focals that you may or not may or may not have watched. I was going to ask you about what focal meant, but I think you're explaining it now. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Fellowship, fellowship of Christian archery lovers. Ah. um, Yeah. April or May of 2019. I lived here under a year. I had one hunting season under my belt was still new. I was still using a track phone to make stories and video clips. Like I was really struggling. to make. <laughs> That's stories. awesome though. I, I love that. <laughs> things. I was making a lot of them. So he says to me, so we do one video a week. We always have, you know, this week, for example, be three shots at 19. Just get on video, say, hi, my name is Nancy Leah Woods. Today I'm going to shoot three at 19. And this is my bow. You know, it's, what kind of bow do you have? Share with us your equipment and then share with us your shots. And um, I was like, you are crazy. I am not getting on the internet and talking about my bow. You're insane, let alone shooting it. But I, I was like, okay, you're right. Like I'm being irrational. So I did. I made my first video. I think I had on like a tie-dye shirt and a bandana and leggings. And I had to retake like the, it's like a 20 second, 20 second intro. First time I'd ever spoke on video, tripping over my words um, kept saying spine instead of grains when I was talking about my field points, just mm-hmm. butchering it. Mm-hmm. And, but I decided to just take a chance and upload it to the internet. And it was, they, the felt the guys and girls in the fellowship group were very, very kind to me and very encouraging. And so I did it again the next week and I did it again the next week. And so I've been doing those videos for almost three years now, but those just sitting in front of a camera with me actually in it. Cause there was a, a period of time where I was never in my videos or stories. All you would see would be maybe my hands or feet. Um, yeah. So I was sharing about my, and that those videos would get shared and then I would get more 
I was starting to meet more people in the traditional archery community online and chit chat and interact and talk about arrows and bows and things. And so over time I was building confidence for myself. And, you know, like I had said, I was on Xanax for 18 years, had a terrible time getting off of it, but then I did get off of it. Um, and so I was relearning how to react to anxiety itself, how to fall asleep at night without medication and things. That, you know, that, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing because not having heard any of this, of your story before, right? Um, right. You, you definitely come off as someone who is very comfortable, uh, you know, in, you know, who they are and, and just what they put out as far as like, you know, your little stories and videos and that kind of stuff. So, um, y- you pull it off well, <laughs> let's put it that way. You know what I mean? I, uh, so that, that's, that's definitely, uh, I, w- I would not, I would not have you know, I, I guess, you know, you'd be making, you know, uh, suppositions about somebody, but I would not have guessed that, uh, you know, you were kind of shy or, uh, you know, had any kind of anxiety about any of that kind of stuff. You come off as very like, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's my life. And I'm very kind of comfortable in it. So um, I think that, again, I've never gone through any of that stuff. So I don't want to speak for anybody that's gone going through any of the stuff that you've gone through. But um, it seems to me that it would be very therapeutic for others to see what you've done and where you've come from. And, uh, right. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing you get those kinds, kinds of messages from other people. I do. And that's, that's why that's the main thing that keeps me going. And that's actually the story behind my coffee pour and my, co- my calendar flip. So yes, explain early, that. I, I love, I love watch. I love seeing that. It's very cool, but I don't understand it. So tell me about it. So, you know, like I said, I moved here was just a, like four or five months into my recovery. My sleep wasn't great. I wanted to share things with everyone on, on the internet. And so I started making stories, but the coffee stories did not start until my um, hunting season, my first hunting season season. So I would take a picture of my coffee cup on mornings that I was going hunting just to let my viewers know, like, we're going to go hunting today. And then it was several months later, I was at the store and I seen this calendar. And so I bought it. And I was, so the next time I did a hunting story, I flipped the calendar and then I just put my coffee cup in front of it and took a picture of it. And that was mm-hmm. it. This all kind of started small and then it kind of escalated. And so one day I got my mother's old carafe that was actually my grandmother's passed down and I put the coffee in it. And then I start, I flipped the calendar. I put a coffee cup down and I hadn't even realized I was doing it for the first year, but I would like tap my nails on the side of the coffee mug because it would ding and I liked the sound of it. And I would pour the cup of coffee, put the creamer and the sugar and stir it. And I would write good morning in the corner And I started to realize that every time I went hunting and every time I did this calendar flip, I would get all these messages from people that were like, I really love these calendar flips. Like it keeps me going. I look forward to them. Will you please do them every day? And like I said, my first account was a sobriety and recovery based account. And so we have the term, we have the saying one day at a time, because especially in early recovery, the the minutes and seconds drag. They are so long, let alone the days. Every day is like a week. That's crazy you um, just said that because I was just going to ask you. It's like a one day at a time thing, isn't it? 
It is. Yes. That's ultimately what it is now. And so now I do it every single day. I haven't missed a day in over two years. Um, I have a setup in my kitchen. I have different backgrounds. I have different coffee mugs. Right now, since it's spring and summer, well, it's summer, I go out every morning to find wildflowers on my own property and leaves and like just vegetation that looks beautiful. And I set myself up like a video station. I get my coffee ready and I pick out a coffee mug and I start my stories off on Instagram and Facebook every single day with the calendar flip followed by the coffee mug, followed by me pouring it into a cream sugar. And I always write good morning in the corner. And then I get into whatever I'm doing that day, whether I'm doing livestock or my garden or this, you know, whatever, but it's become a one, one day at a time. That's the, that's the story behind it. Ultimately. That's, that's, Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's so cool. Um, yeah. So, um, what was I going to say, man, we're like an hour into this, right? I want to keep you on forever here, but this is like way, way cooler conversation than I thought we were going to have. Cause I didn't know any of this stuff about you. That's why I was like, Hey, we don't really have an itinerary. Let's just talk, you know, yeah, um, like 20 seconds before we started recording. I know, I know. And that the, I, those work out the best because then you don't have like, Hey, I'm going to ask this person about this, this, and this, you know? Um, so the story just kind of unfolds, but, um, so one thing I did, I just wanted to cover too is um so you're 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 fully you're fully into this this hunting lifestyle you're fully into just outdoor nature lifestyle but what are your hunting plans then for this coming year are you still just kind of gonna try and get something done on your own property um do you guys you know do other properties kind of thing uh do you you, any out of you know state trips kind of plan for you and your husband you know what's what's kind of on the horizon in a few months here for you well for me personally I don't know about my husband. I don't have any plans to go out of state. You know, as you know, I have a full-blown homestead. It's, I think it's almost a farm now with all the goats, chickens, pigs. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) But I'm going to do kind of sort of what I've been doing the last two years on the 80 acres here. Now that I've become more familiar with the property, more familiar with hunting overall, um, I've, I have grown immensely since my first season and I saddle hunt now instead of nothing wrong with regular tree stands, of course, but I've, I saddle hunted all last fall and winter mm-hmm. and really enjoyed that. But I will be around here this fall and winter again. I'm sure there'll be days that I'll take a trip to either the game lands or to a friend's property to hunt in a different location. But my son, my son's eight. He's in school, of course, so I don't have any plans to really wander too far. And then, like I said, I work at a garden at a really big farm here, pretty pretty handy to my place. So I don't have any plans to leave the state or really leave this area too much, but I have everything I would ever need here on this 80 acres. That's uh, That's very cool. You seem to have kind of built yourself um a little bit a little slice of paradise i guess you know um it's yeah i i i i mean i I don't like live in the city but i you know i live in the suburbs but i'm not like rural rural you know what i mean so when i look at uh some people like you who live on let's say like out in the country you know or have that kind of land or that you know have the animals and this and that you know part of me is like man i don't know if i could 
if I have the patience to take care of like pigs and chickens and goats and things like that. But other times it's like, wow, that just seems like a very cool life, you know, just kind of peaceful and, um, you know, yeah. There's nothing on, for example, my birthday was last month, June 15th. Oh, that's my daughter's birthday. (laughs) Oh yeah. You commented that. I remember that. Super cool. So I kept thinking, you know, what do I want to do on my birthday? So I decided I was going to do all the things that I love most. So I got up on my birthday. It was a Monday morning. My son is in a summer camp program. So I got up, did my calendar flip, tended to my animals, got him on the bus, drove my, my work vehicle was a side-by-side, super cool vehicle, (laughs) shot over to the farm I work at, worked in the garden until about one. Sweat my butt off, got super sunburnt, picked my son up off the bus at one, came home, hijacked Archery Geeks podcast for my birthday. That was my gift to myself, um, hijacking his podcast. Mm-hmm. So I got cleaned up real quick, sat down, did our um, video podcast, and then I left the house, went back to work, and sweat my butt off and things. And then later that night, my husband got home from work, and I shot my bow a couple of times. And that was like one of the best days of my life, just doing the things I love to do, tending to my garden, seeing my animals. Um, Like I always tell my mom, my mother is starting to come come around. She she felt bad for me, I guess, when I first moved here. She thought like, you know, why do you you want chickens? They stink. Just go buy eggs. They're a dollar. Why do you (laughs) want goats? Just go buy goats. Like that's a lot of work. Those buckets of water are super heavy which they are, gosh, when I first got goats, it was uh, really hard for me to carry both buckets of water across the yard to the goats without setting them down. Yeah. But now I can pull it off. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, she thought when I moved here that like I was torturing myself, which could it be, it's the complete opposite. I absolutely love just waking up and being in nature and just doing my daily grind. Animals, plants, archery, internet, husband, kid, all the things I love. It's like That's, yeah. non-therapy. Yeah, I, I don't think everyone gets it till they, some, some people never get it, but some people don't get it till they actually see it. And they're like, oh, okay, now I get yeah. it. You know? When I first moved here, I was a little anxious. My husband works away a lot. I said he's a corrections officer and he works, he dr- has quite the drive every day. But on top of that, he gets sent away a lot, deployed out. He's mm-hmm. like on a special team. So a lot of times he'll be gone for a week or three weeks or whatever. And so when I had for we had first moved here, it was just a couple of days later, he was leaving for like a week. Yeah. And I was like, all right, so I'm in the woods for a week. I don't have television yet. And I have this track phone. Like I can't go anywhere. Even if I did have a, a secondary vehicle or driver's license at that time, where would I go? I didn't know anyone. And I had like, like my chest physically hurt when he left. Like mm. part of me was just like, what am I, like, how am I going to do this? Um, and it went fine. Like I lived, <laughs> Yeah. but little by little I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, like you said, I don't know if a lot of people would be into this. It is a lot to just jump into right away. Things kind of slowly, but also naturally progressed for me when I moved here got a handful of chickens when I first moved moved here they were a gift from my husband's aunt luckily there was already a chicken coop here 
Um, so it wasn't super difficult. I had a white turkey. His name was Goose. Um, I was just amazed by this. I mean, I had a pet turkey. I thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing in the world because, you know, like I said, I didn't grow up in the country around farm yeah. animals and things. And I had this rooster that would crow right in my own yard. And it was gorgeous. It was September 1st was when we moved here. So it was early fall and the summer. There's still flowers out. So the scenery was just gorgeous. And then we got goats the following spring. But I was ready for goats by that and time. And the family and just then, grows, huh? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Then I added pigs last year. I would have never have envisioned this life for myself, though. Even just four years ago, when I was faced with, what am I going to do now? Never in a million years had I ever, would I ever thought, first of all, that I would be having livestock, chickens, goats, like, you know, I wanted to live in the country because I was interested in hunting when I met my husband and he did get me into the sport. But as far as the farm life, it wasn't really anything I had ever considered ever. You know, um, it's like uh, not to be cheesy, but, you know, that, that Rolling Stone song, you know, you can't always get what you want, but you know, sometimes you get what you need. You know, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit of happened. that. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, I think. Cool. Well, tell you what, um, any, anything else you want to, you want to discuss before we, before we head out of here? I, I mean, uh, anything we missed, any major stuff that you want to get out there? I don't know. Oh, you're going I'm to ETAR, probably. right? And I know you're going to be like a field reporter with, um, with Mick, right? Or you're kind of going to be a roving reporter kind of thing, uh, for. Um, yeah. So Mick is going to be doing interviews there and he asked me to be his co-host. He asked the most socially awkward girl in the traditional archery community to be his sidekick. So this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I look forward to, uh, I look forward to listening to all that. You know, I, I like him. I've been trying to get, um, we, we, we were supposed to hook up to, uh, but you know, you know how it goes, you know, schedules and all that stuff. But I, he's another guy I'd like to talk to because, uh, he seems really, really fun and interesting. He's a super fun dude. Super yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Had asked me to be on his podcast last summer and I was like, dude, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> but, um, like he started watching my stories and we were interact a little bit. And I, the one day I was just like, you know, maybe, maybe I could give it a try. Like do, cause I've been, one of the things I learned at the recovery center was, keep moving forward and just try if an opportunity presents itself for example what i'm going to be doing at ski tar i'm scared shitless to go be a podcast host but that might it might it'll be either a learning experience or it might lead me to whatever i'm going to do next in life but at the end it's an it's it's an experience you know why out I personally believe i'm not trying to get like religious i believe we're put on this earth to experience things nature yeah. each other so if something if an opportunity presents itself even though i'm terrified but i think you know, most of those people are going to know who you are anyway by this point you know what i mean they're probably you know it's kind of a small world small small community <laughs> relatively so yeah, um i think i think it'll be i think you'll be I, hey you got to look at it this way right you kind of tackled all this other stuff that you didn't think you could do and you know here you are so you know the, the odds are in your favor <laughs> I really try to talk nice to myself in my mind and encourage myself yeah. um, instead of tearing myself down. Like I still, I, of course, like any other person struggle with anxiety and self-doubt, especially being a girl and a male, mostly male dominant community. But I'm starting to realize over time that 
I do kind of know what I'm talking about, at least a little bit. Um, I deserve to be here, right? There you go. I, you know, I, I, I believe so. Yeah. Like I said, I started with a track phone and never intended for, never thought I was going to make videos or anything. Yeah. I've just been saying yes to things that present themselves and hope for the best. Either it's a learning experience or failed or however you want to look at it. But either way, I, I learned from it regardless. Well, I learned a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad we got to actually like talk like quote unquote in person. Um, I'm glad we got to do this. We're going to have to do it again, you know, maybe after hunting season or something like that and see how everything kind of went for you and, um, that kind of stuff. So, uh, where, where can everyone find you? What, uh, what's the best, uh, you know, way to check out your stuff? Um, I am mainly on Instagram, nancylea.woods. I'm sure I know that's a mouthful, but I'm sure it'll be in your description. And I'm on Facebook also, and I upload all of my videos on YouTube. On YouTube, I'm definitely not a famous YouTuber. However, all of my videos are there if you ever want to want to look at them or go back to the videos I was making three years ago. I have some cool pasta making videos and things. <laughs> I have kind of a little bit of everything there. Cool. So yeah, come visit. I like to share things. Yeah, videos are good. Your uh, your stuff is inspirational, and like I said, I'm I'm glad you're getting to help out other people too. Uh, I, had, I had no idea about the story, and I'm glad we we got to do this. So, um, with that said, I guess uh, thanks everybody for listening. Ansley, why don't you just hang on with me while we stop recording here? And uh, thanks everybody for listening, and go check out Nancy and all all her uh, all her stuff. Um, really cool, and I guess thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Yep, thanks for listening.